And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpostcomedy.com. Like I just said, this is a podcast. It's a website. Go there. It's usually what's after that. Uh, excuse me. I just got a bunch of uh, job emails the last part of the day. Uh, stuff I have to sign. I did, in fact, land a new position back in television. So here I am, doing TV again. Also found out that, uh, two, this is episode 216. Also found out that uh, one, one day when I was setting up for uh, news time, when I was setting up for, for news time, for last week's news time that I was making this week, the Nova had chewed through, Nova's my cat, if you haven't heard the last 70 episodes. That she uh, chewed through a wire for one of the studio lights. And it only turns on if you turn the wire one way or it turns off if you turn the wire the other way. I'm going to turn myself up speaking of turning things. And now she is currently sitting directly behind me if you're watching the video. Uh, you can't see her. She's, it's like, hold on. Listen. She's right there. Look at that little fart. Nova. Nova, look. Look at it. Ah, she looked. <laughs> Idiot. Now she's sitting on my uh, one of my reusable grocery bags. Here we are. Let's see what happened this week. iPad is fixed. I got. I had to get a new iPad. Uh, pay that Apple Care Plus. Pay that Apple Care Plus because <laughs> that thing takes care. I mean, just that seven bucks a month or the fifty dollars for the year or however much it is. Just, just do it. Just do it. Uh, it's, it's worth it. iPad. I have a brand, brand new, I have a brand used iPad 2018, uh, iPad pro 256 gigabyte with cellular. Although it is uh, paid off. So that's nice. Not the, the 1500 or the 1200 it cost. Oh, actually, no, I got on sale. It was like a uh, thousand. So, or 800 It was 800. Cause, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I had a two year contract. It was $800. Isn't that wonderful if you just wait for things? <laughs> so that's great. iPad's fixed. Uh, what else is going on? Got a new job. Don't want to talk about that. And yeah, I, so I was going to do constitutionals last week, uh, but I was in the midst of handling some business. <laughs> so I couldn't do news time or the constitutional. So I ended up doing news time this week, and it was about OnlyFans. It's a great episode. It's actually, I was thinking about this. It was actually... I wrote that like I have a Google Doc that has all of the episodes of the, the news time written down. Uh, well, at least like the the most recent and then like scheduled. Like it's scheduled. It's just a, it's just a doc that it's it tr- truly is the base level of organization you, you need to do. But that's all that really needs. It's it just has the story ideas for it has the current slate. So you know a couple of weeks out. Which aren't planned. <laughs> I have this, the one that's supposed to be done this week, and uh, and then nothing else was planned for September. And then it has ideas, and there's, and those are ideas that can, you know, if every time if, if I need to cherry pick an idea, uh, then those are ones that I can go. Okay, well I need something this week, and I go, oh, well, this makes sense. And I pull it out. Then there are far future episodes, which are planned, but they only make sense for. The month they come out, so it's those. It's the the not the Halloween. Well, yeah, it's the Halloween episodes. It's the the um, the themed episodes. The ones about the NFL. The ones about the NBA. 
because I typically do, I don't know if I typically do this, but I usually do one NFL episode and then a Super Bowl episode. And I do one summer box office episode and like one Oscar episode. So those are the themed episodes. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a, I had a handful of Starburst jelly beans. I also got my flu shot today. <laughs> and you can see it in my arm. I think she was impressed with the size of my arm, the doctor. <laughs> but when I when I went inside of um, CVS to get the shot, I also walked through the candy aisle, and I said, "I'm gonna get myself some candy." So they had Starburst jelly beans, which I don't think they sell sell year round, but because I didn't get any at Easter, and like I usually do, and so I got some. And then, because uh, I thought they were on sale for 50% off. And he's like, you have a CVS card? And I went, oh, no. And then, uh, turns out, they were $5. And I said, I was too afraid to too afraid to go, oh, no, I do have a CVS card. <laughs> so, long story short, I've, uh, I've eaten a handful of jelly beans. Every time I walk past the counter over there, just like, oh, let's get some jelly beans. <laughs> I have weaknesses. I have weaknesses. So... These are going to be old episodes, but they kind of make sense for today. In fact, I am going to update uh, one one story uh, that I, I did just get. I didn't just get, but whoever whoever gives it to me first, um, I did I did ju- I did learn of an outcome to that. So. If you would bear with me, I'm really like I can I can host a show um, by myself. I can I can just talk through it. It's great. Oh oh oh! Here we go. Now I have to type as I talk on uh, uh, this. Okay, here we go. We're done. I just wanted to uh, just get that written down. I mean, this is this is great fodder. This is gonna be a long episode, regardless. So it doesn't really matter what I do. And hopefully we're done skipping weeks of this show and news time. I got to tell you, I don't start my new job uh, for a month. So (laughs) we will be done skipping weeks. (laughs) Or uh, 20 days. I don't start for 20 days. So at the time of this recording. So let's get to this first episode written by Brian Steinberg over at Variety. CBS News to launch mornings and bid to capture AM viewers across the week. We talked about this before. Nate Burleson is joining... The CBS This Morning crew, Anthony Mason is going to CBS News as a contributor. Uh, they were renaming This Morning to CBS Mornings. So we're going to change across the gamut. Now, this is, it's going to be more, it's going to use more of the Sunday magazine, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the news magazine from Sunday morning style in order to attract more viewers. So this is the first week that... Nate Burleson joined the morning's crew and I only, I was only able to catch the two. No. Yeah. No, the month. Yeah. I think Monday or Tuesday episode. I've been spending uh, no joke two and a half to three hours at the gym every morning. <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been, you know, it's usually just two hours, but it's either like in a lot of cases, there's just too many people at, at one point and I have to, if, if like they're using like the bikes or they're using the, uh, yeah, what's it called? The treadmills. 
and I like to I like to finish my weightlifting with cardio, or I spend or I go heavy, and I sp- I've been spending a lot of extra time. Like I've been like doing it doing weightlifting for an hour and a half, and I just take my time because I'm allowed to <laughs> now instead of having to rush. Anyway, I've been spending three hours there, and so I've been missing. So that's been going from five o'clock to eight o'clock instead of five o'clock to six thirty or seven o'clock. So I've been missing it. And I don't. Rec- I used to record CBS this morning, and then I stopped because I didn't want to. <laughs> anyway, the revamp looks very nice. They the the new the new studio is in is in Times Square. They're they have their neighbors with uh, Good Morning America. And I think that's a good place for them to be. I don't. It might be a little bit too busy. I mean, first of all, they're there in the morning for what three, four hours, but they don't. They really don't need to be over there. Anyway, they have the news magazine stuff. There's, what they're aiming for is longer stories, longer form stories, uh, more introspective stuff, in depth. Uh, it's they're trying. They're trying to make that Sunday morning feel across the week. And right now, obviously, you can't say that it's that it's working or it's not working. I. But that's what makes Sunday morning. I only started watching Sunday morning within the past eight months, and I think it's it's a it's a really well done show, and it and it really works for Sun that that format works for Sunday morning because it's Sunday morning. You have two three hours for this show. You have all of these stories, and that's and that's what it's known for. But for mornings, what what Today Show and GMA have is they and I think G, I think uh CBS Mornings is the youngest out of all three but I but what they have is they're trying to wake you up they're trying to give you the the most important news of the day before you head out to work so that's why you're going to see the first 18 minutes of all of those shows they're going to have three or four of the top stories there's a tornado going through the Gulf of Mexico or yeah the the, the Gulf Going through the Gulf, there's uh, there was a, a shooting. There's President Biden said something, and there's I probably shouldn't have put shooting in President Biden. Uh, please don't please don't search for me. Please don't search for me, FBI. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, and then and then there's you know who won at a Grammy, and those are, those are the four stories. And then at at seven eighteen, they all go to a commercial. And they all throw the weather people in the local in the local news stations. I know how this works. I used to work in this. And then after, and then it's after that point that they have you know the what to watch and here's some memes on the. <laughs> it's it's stupid, which I, I that's the that's the part I hate. So the week that program has is expanding and and I'm glad for it. But I don't, and, and and what I don't want them to slip into is Today Show territory with all these the the memes and the cooking segments and stuff, and I, I think that just slows it down. And Today Show, you know, for what it's worth, they have four hours, so in the and then they're all technically considered two like three different shows or four different or yeah three different shows because the first the first show is two hours long or something like that, uh, and then in that third hour, that's when they can get wild and wacky. That third hour used to be hosted by Megan Kelly. Now she has a show on SiriusXM, which also I had just to renew. Ugh, I was paying sixty dollars a year. Now, now I'm going to be paying a hundred and forty. This is why I don't have any money. <laughs> this is why I don't have any money. 
but I did just cancel Spotify for the time being. Oh my gosh, got a cramp. <sighs> Back to YouTube music. <laughs> YouTube music sucks. But Megan Kelly now has a serious XM show, and it's the taglines are like, "We only speak the truth here, no BS." <laughs> like Megan, come on, man. I mean, but I do, I do stand by my statement. I think she's a smart person. She could be a, a good broadcaster if she just puts her dumb racist <laughs> ideologies aside. I actually, there was talking to somebody at the gym about this this morning. Um, he was this person was mentioned. I just said as he. He was mentioning that uh, people like Rachel Maddow and, and uh, Chris Matthews and them are stupid and that they all use big words to talk smart. But then he like defended Fox News people. Is <laughs> it like, no, I believe they're smart. They just say dumb things. I'm like, no, no, it's the opposite. I think Rachel Maddow's a very smart person and she's very uh, readed, readed. Oh my God. <laughs> Just got all. I, I got three separate emails for this job, and um, they're all from the thing. whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll talk about it later when it, when I when it's when all the things are signed. Okay. They also have. Oh God. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So, CBS has been news. Has seven days of morning programs generating nearly $258 million in advertising in 2020, according to data from Cantor, the tracker of ad spending, one of the trackers of ad spending on television. A meaningful boost in viewership could drive new revenue for the network. All the broadcast morning programs have seen audiences slip in recent years, a dynamic fueled in part by the exodus of some viewers to digital media and also by a hard focus from cable competitors on politics. And I would think that people would want to they go like, okay, now Trump's out of the office. Uh, <laughs> people who watch CNN and CNBC, or excuse me, uh, MSNBC, <laughs> CNBC is for me. Um, I think I would think that people that watch those two cable broadcasters in the morning would move over, would move, would go back to 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 the to broadcast news, uh, to broadcast morning news programs uh, because you know, the quote unquote nightmare is over. <laughs> I like that as a title. <laughs> That's a great title for this episode. The quote unquote nightmare is over. That's a great title for a book. <laughs> but adding Nate Burleson to the mix and having Tony DeCopel, uh is brings in the I mean, they're both young guys. Uh, Tony is married to the very lovely Katie Turr, who is also a wonderful broadcaster. I just want to mention that she just had a baby, and <laughs> and I and, and now this new set uh, should really gloss them up. Uh, but I I don't think that you know I mean even even with uh, uh, oh god I'm so sorry I'm trying to plug in the if you see the camera move it is my fault I just tried to plug in the laptop to get it charged. I, I do think that it is this is this is a great move for them, but I mean attracting younger viewers or attracting any viewers at all is going to be kind of tough because everybody's moved on to and even late night season, everybody's moved on to watching rewatching stuff on YouTube. And if you look at GMA's YouTube or Today Show's YouTube, uh or CBS Morning's YouTube even, when they have a two hundred and fifty thousand viewed video, 
then it's something special, especially for GMA because they have because their million viewed videos, which I'm recommended all the time, are like babies seeing their dad after they come home from Afghanistan. <laughs> and uh, yes, they're white babies seeing their white fathers going home from Afghanistan. <laughs> so the Sunday morning formula is being is being thrown into all morning versions, uh, but the I, I, I mean it's just not going to be the same. Let's move on to another story because I've been doing this for 16 minutes. And I said this is going to be a long episode, but I mean like this. This next one comes from the rap written by Lindsay Ellison. New York Times' Wirecutter Union demands pay raise to coincide with paywall launch. Wirecutter is a website that was purchased by the New York Times a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's Wirecutter is a, a great website to that use that its contributors. I'm going to move the camera. I'm so sorry. It's really bothering me. Where contributors compare things that you're potentially going to buy, where they give you lists of things that are better for buy, and they have like the best things, like that's that's their that's their whole moniker. So, excuse me, the mic arm. So they could have the I'm holding up my Hydro Flask, uh, the largest 32 ounce bottle they have. <laughs> Hydro Flask, keep it cold. Okay, so they could have the best double wall insular tumblers and they say hydroflask is the best here's why we tested for you know eight months or four years and and this is still the best one it keeps ice cold for you know 15 hours at a time i mean it, it, things like that and it compares and it has like the best ones they use and they don't they don't um they don't take samples and if, and if they get anything they buy they either have to return or they have to give it away they're very truthful what they do and it's a great, great periodical thing, and I, I think you should check it out. So New York Times bought them, and now New York Times, all of its content is behind the paywall, uh, cooking, reading articles, I think even watching video. I don't even know. I don't know because I have I pay for New York Times, but uh, all of their stuff is behind a paywall, and now they're trying to bring since Wirecutter is part of the family by the paywall. The thing is, New York Times has its own union. A lot of a lot of New York Times. Uh, inside things has their own union because they're a part of the like if you're a tech writer you have a tech union with other tech writers and so now wire cutters union because it was a separate company from your times wants more money because they don't want to because that paywall they're not going to see in that cash the union statement came one day after it was announced that the product review site will be partially paywalled with subscribers paying five dollars every four weeks for standalone subscriptions or forty dollars annually if you subscribe to new york times and i want to mention this the premium digital service or home delivery you'll still get unlimited access to wire cutter so you won't see a price increase at all but i think we will i guarantee i have a i haven't i have a thought that we might i have a thought that we might because what it's it's twenty five dollars per month. I think that at some point it's going to go up to thirty, and that's what they're going <sighs> to say. It is. Everything's a subscription now. Sirius XM, Spotify. <laughs> One of those I had to had to negotiate. <laughs> I knew I was going to have to negotiate. I put it on my calendar because it ends tomorrow, nine eleven. Never forget. And I um I and I I said I was like all right, let me just handle it today. Called and they're like. I was like, I paid, I paid, I paid six dollars for my, I paid sixty bucks last year for the entire thing because my first year, I didn't say it like that. I was like, yeah, you know, I was looking for, I'm looking for, you know, she she offered me uh, eight ninety nine 
without the most premium. I was like, I don't know. I was looking for or seven ninety nine. I was like, I don't know. I'm looking. I was looking. To, I was. I was looking to pay that much for the most premium. She goes, I mean, I can offer you eleven ninety nine, and I was like, Yeah, I guess is that is that's the best you can do because that. I mean, I guess that kind of is. And then she goes, All right, well. It actually be fourteen fifty six because you have to you have pay music fees and all this stuff and I was like, golly, is it worth it? It is, it is. I listen to it every single day. So there's the union. Uh, unions are important for writers for TV people. Unions are are important for us so that we can uh, make money. I won't be. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to be in a union uh, for the job I'm in, but. You know, if I was still at the news or Weather Channel, I probably would. Moving on, these probably these probably these people probably have a union. This comes from Lindsay Allison, written on the wrap. <laughs> Vice Media raises eighty-five million dollars as co-founder Shane Smith abandons back talks and voting control. So I have been talking via News Time and via the Constitutional's podcast for the past couple of years. Regarding Vice Media's attempt to spin itself spin itself off into a public, uh, publicly traded company, a couple of years ago, and I, I just hate recapping this, but because because I don't remember all the details, but a couple of years ago, Vice was just a huge company. Disney had money in it. I uh, I don't quote me on the rest of these companies. I know Disney had money on it because they had majority control. Disney, maybe Warner, whatever, whoever, a bunch of a bunch of media conglomerates had money in it, like it was millennial uh, NPR, <laughs> millennial NPR. That's what I would describe Vice as millennial NPR. They talk about drugs and sex way too much, and I can't take them seriously sometimes. <laughs> millennial NPR. So. At at one point, maybe three years ago, Disney a lot a lot of company uh, Disney basically took full control uh, and started buying out you know people's shares or people started selling their shares in Vice Media the pri- privately traded because it's privately traded and Disney eventually like it was valued the company was valued at over a billion or so dollars uh, and then eventually Disney valued the company at like four hundred million or something crazily crazily low. And so the decision was for uh, Vice Media, the most recent decision for it to go public was for Vice Media to sign up with a blank check company and go public that way. That's called a SPAC. That's what a lot of companies have been doing because it's easier and it'll get you quick cash fast. So Vice Media raised $85 million from existing investors and it said it's not doing the SPAC. Shane Smith, who's been with Vice since it began, I think the other person, I think the other guy left, or two, one. I think there's three guys and one of them left. Because I think he was, uh, I think he was touching people. I think so. <laughs> it's just stuff that I, I have in my head. Shane Smith's going to give up his voting control, which means that he's no longer going to be able to vote. I think the the woman, Nancy Dubeck, who's the CEO. She's going to be the one that's going to be in charge of this stuff. The goal is now to get Vice Media profitable. The company was hoping to raise money by going, okay. 
Uh, let's see. The valuation of the company couldn't be determined, but reports earlier this year indicated SPAC offered Vice about $2.5 billion, or 56% less than its peak valuation of $5.7 billion back in 2017. So it was five times as valuable as I said it was. Of $5.7 billion. That was when it was controlled mostly by Disney, or owned mostly by Disney. The news comes less than a week after Vice Media engaged in another round of layoffs, letting go of fewer than 20 people who worked in the company's editorial division. And I, I didn't even get into that. There was there was a there was a point where like every year, every few months, Vice was laying people off. I've done news time episodes on this. I think I've done uh, constitutional episodes on this rather than why don't you just check that out? Because <laughs> go to the website, cpluscomic.com, go to the search bar and type in Vice because I'm sure something will pop up. Last month, the New York Times reported that Vice would be, quote, putting a great emphasis on videos and other forms of visual storytelling because videos are, are uh, you know, you can get more out of it and people click on videos more than they click on articles. So actually, I'm going to go to cpluscomedy.com and I'm going to see if I can just search for Vice. You know, the iPad was replaced. Maybe one day I'll be able to get a, <laughs> a friggin' laptop or something. <laughs> Watching this video chug along as uh, things load up. Uh, so we're going to continue on with this Vice story. This comes from Hollywood Reporter, written by Alex Weprin. Vice raises $135 million in funding from James Murdoch's firm exist and existing investors. So it raised even more money than the 85 it was reported to raise as well. Okay, that's it. That was it for that. All right, so let me go to cpluscomedy.com, type in the word vice, and let's see what the website pulls up. Now, this is via, um, uh, what, what is this? Uh, Squarespace's searching algorithm, or searching, so it's horrible. It is, okay, we talked about vice news tonight, and then vice news again. I like Vice News tonight. First, I wish I like I wish that was still going on. Excuse me. I wish <laughs> that it probably is still going on. <laughs> I wish it was in a more visible place. Let me see if Vice News tonight is still going on. I like the Vice HBO show. Uh, yeah, this is like it, this is all happening after it was canceled. Yeah, let's see. I think it's just Vice News now. They did 606 episodes of a daily news program on HBO. No, that was the... Yeah, on HBO. And then they went to Vice on TV. They did so many episodes. It was so cool. And I used to watch that. And now, it's nothing. It's just on Vice on TV. (laughs) And it was launched last year on Vice on TV. Uh, I don't know who can watch this because it sure as heck is. And they had really good stories on there, too. Uh, but it, it sure as heck isn't on YouTube TV. <laughs> I I mean, it, the last time I had cable when I was at home, when I was living at home, and that was uh, several years ago at this point, a handful of years ago. Um, last week, <laughs> I've been living at home this whole time. Uh, they, it was Vice... Vice's network, which they which they purchased um, History Channel 2, so H2, they purchased H2 to make it Vice on TV. They used to just air, 
First, they aired a bunch of original shows, a bunch of like reality shows because they're cheap to make, and a bunch of, you know, some comedy-driven stand-up shows. And, you know, that, that was all fine and dandy. But then eventually, over the... Over like the course of like a year or two, it just went downhill and it wasn't it wasn't good anymore. <laughs> and they only aired reruns of like Alfred Hitchcock movies and Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. This comes from Billboard's own Tatiana Sirisano YouTube Music. Oh God, just crossed fifty million paid and trial subscribers. I got to log in to read this. All right. 50 million. I'm not going to log in. I don't, I mean, it says you have to subscribe to billboard pro to read this. Are you kidding me? YouTube music has 50 million subscribers. It's uh, still a growing service. And after the transition from Google play music, it's now, it's now becoming this, uh, widely used thing, mostly because it's the only way to, to listen to music, uh, via outside of the YouTube environment. So if you will, if you listen to music, and YouTube is your preferred player to watch music videos. It's going to boot you over the YouTube music. Uh, it's paying because it's it's usually put in with YouTube Premium, um, or you can pay for it by itself. But why would you? Ten dollars a month, or actually, I think it's twelve dollars a month. If you're grand- grandfathered in, ten dollars a month, and that's what it is. I'm not going to. I'm not. I don't want to give this. <laughs> I don't want to give this any more stock than it, it already has. I'm not paying to read a story about YouTube music getting 50 million subscribers. This next one comes from The Verge. This is this sorry. So so this is this is uh, if you couldn't tell these episodes these these episodes these stories are are kind of old. Maybe like a week old. A lot of this one's from the 25th. It's because I can hear the air is about to whir up cuz it sounds like something is scratching at my headphones. Uh anyway, because uh, because I couldn't do an episode for a week or two, so this next so so this one is basically the end of an episode that was supposed to be like two weeks ago. <laughs> so let's just hop on and do it, and then the next ones will be uh, shorter, and then one long one or something like that. I don't know who cares. No one listens to the show anyway. This comes from Ashley Carmen over at The Verge. Joe Rogan can find the Spotify is losing influence. So that's it. Sounds like a sensationalistic headline, and it's not. Uh, but we all knew that the move to Spotify is going to cause confusion or cause people to to drop off of a podcast. You know, Dax Shepard's podcast, Move Over Spotify. I believe Smartless as well, all the Gimlet stuff. You, you basically can't subscribe outside of Spotify app to listen to their own exclusive podcast, uh, which, again, I just, I mean, tangentially, I uh, there's a show that was on, Earwolf, and then it moved to Stitcher Premium called the Teacher's Lounge Podcast. And, you know, coincidentally, last night I was sitting at the table eating dinner, and I read before that they were trying to buy their or get their the rights of that podcast reverted back to them so that you don't have to subscribe to Stitcher Premium and you can just buy it from them. And last night they released the first of seven episodes uh, from their new one. So this, so the original Teachers Lounge podcast from Big Ronde is a comedy troupe uh, in LA uh, or a comedy team, comedy troupe. What? This is a sketch troupe. They're doing the mod classes and the Herald Knights and whatever. And 
uh, and so uh, so you can just buy the entire catalog for fifteen dollars, and over the next you know three or four years, as the episode the old episodes are released to them, then uh, you've already paid for it. So I, I did that last night, even though <laughs> I have zero dollars. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna support these guys, and uh, I don't pay. F- I I I have said I think about this periodically. I, I like before. I, I said I'd, I would never pay for podcasts. I was like, no, podcasts are free. After they started, you know, after people started moving into Patreon, like like five or six years ago, seven years ago, people were like, ah, you can move to Patreon or Never Not Funny. You could only, like, before it was only a paid podcast. And they started doing a free feed when they moved over to Earwolf. And I said, I'm never going to pay for I'm never going to pay for podcasts. And then you know, now it's 2021 and everybody's trying to make money and, and there's people I like. And, uh, so I, I used to, like, I used to do, um, maybe I'll do this again, but, uh, cause I need segment ideas, <laughs> but I, I used to do, you know, trim down my podcasts, my, you know, unsubscribe from a bunch of podcasts when I was like doing this show and that'd be like a little, a little segment. That'd be something I do, like an episode I do during off weeks. Um, now I'm down to like, 37 and uh, I just want to keep cutting. I just want to keep trimming, <laughs> but there are, th- there are now three that I've officially paid money for and given money to or subscribed to. And I mean, you just have to, cause people have to make money and people have to get paid. And if I'm going to listen to the show and enjoy it every week, then I might as well help them out. So there we go. I don't, I know how much I've spent on, on podcasts. It's not as much as uh, other people, but it's still, it's like 20 bucks. A, no, 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 no. Excuse me. I'm sorry. It's like, uh, it's 10 bucks a month for two different podcasts that I pay for. But ugh, Jesus. So Ms. Carmen did the due diligence and saw and did the math and saw what Joe Rogan's podcast, which I think is the Joe Rogan show. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Joe Rogan eats creatine and, and makes up uh, COVID facts. He also caught the vid. But there's data from the investigation done by the, by the Verge trying to see what the podcaster's influence uh, has waned since he went behind Spotify's paywall. Joe Rogan experience. I I could not remember it. So what they did was they took the average Twitter followers, and this is a, this is a very I think this is a very uh, good way to do this. They took the average Twitter followers for Rogan's guest guests with under five hundred thousand followers. So that's you know uh, I don't know who like if Ron Funches ever went on Joe Rogan Experience, uh, and I don't know how many followers he has. <laughs> I just named a comedian, but. And and see like okay all right so if if uh, if Bill Blank went on on Joe Rogan Experience and he has three hundred thousand followers and before going on Spotify he had three hundred thousand before the show before the show went on Spotify and he had three thousand three hundred thousand followers people really liked him and let's say he gained five thousand or uh, he gained uh, twenty thousand followers because as a result of the episode but then the show goes behind the paywall and Bill Blank comes back on the show or he goes on the show for the first time or whatever compare that he only gained you know 2,000 followers and so that's what they did and it, and it really works out the, the the charts I'm not doing charts justice or anything it really works out 
Average Twitter, they have the one for average Twitter followers gained for Rogan's guests with under 500 followers between the months of December 19 and July 2021. And you can see there's a, a significant decrease in September of 2020 after it, it peaks when uh, Joe, when the, when, the, when the podcast joined Spotify. Because just quite frankly, people aren't going to go to one player. If you have a podcast player, if you use Apple Podcasts, if you use Pocket Casts, if you use something else, then you're not going to want to, you know, listen to three podcasts on the music app. They have a chart for Joe Rogan's repeat guests. saw his power grow and then shrink after his Spotify move. Average Twitter followers gain for repeat guests. And again, it peaks. Uh, oh, wow. It really, it actually, <laughs> oh, that's one guy. Okay. All right, so uh, January 2020, you can just see it's a downward slope. This is a, It's a very good piece that I did not think would pay off based on the headline alone, but uh, it really works. It really works. You can see that how the YouTube channel, uh, because full exclusives uh, episodes are now exclusive to Spotify, you can see how the YouTube channel even lost a ton of traction. It didn't lose... Subs- well, hold on. Did it lose subscribers? It didn't lose subscribers, but the subscri- subscribers gained on a monthly basis based on the episodes has dramatically increased. Like it would gain 200,000 subscribers basically every month. Top out at uh, uh, nearly 380,000 subscribers. And then ever since those full episodes, full video episodes are now only at Spotify just down to 100,000 per month, which I will take 100,000 <laughs> any, any day right now. I'll take 100,000 right now. There used to be, I, I, there, I, I guess these companies still exist, but there used to be a way, and I, th- and I, and I know comedians, and I'm not going to name them, but I know comedians that have done this, uh, where you could buy f- Twitter followers and buy YouTube subscribers or buy Instagram followers. Uh, I wouldn't do that. Because then I, I, it's all about engagement rather as opposed to subscribers. It used to be about subscribers, but now companies have figured that out. And I was just watching a Straight Pipes video on YouTube. I, I, they're very good guys, very good car reviewers, and very knowledgeable about what they do. And I was watching uh, one video with this Audi everyday sports car, basically, that they were talking about. And uh, in, in a, uh, before they got to their first segment with the car, they they usually say like why don't you uh, like and subscribe and if you subscribe that's that's you know and you, and you like the video that's how that's how YouTube uh, puts us in different people's algorithms but then they said in this one they said just like us like the video you don't have to subscribe um, but please do but like the video because that's how it works now like it changes the YouTube algorithm changes all the time so yeah. I, th- I just thought that was interesting. I, that, was a, that was a good article to talk about how Joe Rogan is doing when it comes to the, uh, 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 the Spotify thing. I get why they're. I mean, I just don't. I I, I know why they want why why they want exclusive podcasts so that people go to the rap more, but. I had I had Spotify all summer long, and it's just, it was just convoluted to get around most of the time because I just I just wanted to listen to music. I didn't want to listen to podcasts. I actually, you know, when they when they started doing the podcast subscription thing, and before I started paying for premium this summer, I started I, I was I said, you know what, 
I'll put all the of my most listened to podcasts on Spotify, uh, just in case I'm ever over there on the app and I'm and I'm too lazy to go to Pocket Cast and listen to the show's episodes. And I was subscribing, and I was I subscribed to like maybe like four NPR podcasts and Doughboys, and I'm and I, and and every time I pulled up the app, it would just show me four NPR podcasts and Doughboys and the stuff that was like that stuff, and it was annoying. <laughs> So I unsubscribed, <laughs> but then uh, I did an interview with a uh, um, uh, with Shelby Wolstein for the website, and I, I listened to mistakenly listened to that podcast on Spotify instead of using like a, my instead of using Pocket Cast or the Headgum website, and it was just and now it just shows me their podcast keeping records over there. It's not a free advertisement. <laughs> they never pay me for the. I mean, I don't get paid for this, but uh, it's not a free advertisement. But uh, yeah, and, and, and it's just uh, just so annoying. Just so annoying. Okay, this next one, let's keep moving. This next one comes from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Google, Apple hit by first law threatening dominance over App Store payments. I've talked about this before. This is written by Ji Young Son uh, over on the Wall Street Journal. I've talked about this before. Uh, basically, it's, big, it's Google and Apple. If you If you sell stuff, on the Google and apps uh, and the App Store, on the Google Play and the App Store, then they will. Oh no, my phone heard me. Uh, they 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 will they take a cut. Apple takes thirty percent. I think Google takes something like eighteen or twenty. Or, I don't know. It's probably thirty percent. Let's just say thirty percent. You say that way. So Epic Games has been was they had Fortnite on there. They was they were selling their stuff. So uh, you know if a hat on Fortnite costs. Two dollars, then they weren't seeing a lot of that money. Versus, if you bought a hat on Fortnite, on Epic Game Store, on Xbox, on whatever, it was they would see the, uh, more of that money. Apple and Google were taking too big of a cut. Apple mostly. Apple's taking thirty percent. Google. Uh, so then um, they made some concessions last year. Apple reduced the commission it charges on in-app sales to fifteen percent for small developers, but that's still kind of a lot uh, and. And uh, Google also reduces cut to fifteen percent. And you have to generate no more than a million dollars. So, basically, antitrust lawsuit came up, and it's been Apple's been fighting this for a very long time. This next one comes from The Verge, written by Sean Hollister and Sam Byford. Apple concedes to let apps like Netflix, Spotify, and Kindle link to the web to sign up. If you wanted to, so so enter Netflix and Spotify, and now and Kindle, I guess. But Netflix and Spotify knew if you wanted, if you had an iPad or you had an iOS device, and you wanted to make a Netflix account for the first time, uh, prior to you know uh, maybe two years ago, Netflix allowed you to sign up on the app, and you had to pay. You know, you paid your fifteen dollars per month via the Apple store, because that was easier for you. But Netflix saw 70% of that money versus 100% if you signed up on the website. So the so the choice there is either let that continue. You see less money when, when people could go to the, uh, uh, to the website and you can get full money. Uh, or you charge more for your product. So instead of paying $15 per month, like everybody else is paying for Netflix, you're now the that person is now going to be paying eighteen dollars. 
so that that three dollars, the extra three dollars, can go to Apple, and then Netflix gives that original fifteen dollars. But then that's still too much. That's cheating the customer, and people are going to catch on to that. Even though people will still do it, they're still going to catch on to that. Then, or you can also just say, "Hey, you can't sign up on iOS devices. Just go to the website Netflix.com." I don't know of many apps that took the second choice of charging more people, but I know that a lot did. So now Apple says, okay, you can, you can sign up for those apps via the web links inside the app. So now Netflix can provide a web link inside the app because they can only say, hey, go to the website because if they provide a link, then they would still have to pay, which is still not a good idea. This is the, the thing is you want an open app market. You want a different app store on iOS to be able to sell you apps. And for, you know, for all of Google's failings with Android, at least you can have multiple app stores on there. Tim Sweeney is the Epic CEO. And this is the guy that's been fighting Apple for years about this stuff. Or he's the most vocal person about it. So now, today, as of this recording, this comes from Kay Holt over at Engadget. Judge issues permanent injunction on App Store model in Epic v. Apple case. However, the court ruled that Apple does not hold an App Store monopoly. I mean, is it a monopoly if it's on their own platform? Yes. Because Google allows for Amazon, Amazon's App Store to be on there. Anyway, Judge Gonzalez Rogers ruled in Epic's favor on one count per court documents posted at 9to5Mac. She determined that, uh, I'm sorry, Gonzalez, I've never heard those of her first name. She determined that Apple violated California's unfair competition law leading to the injunction, which is set to take effect in 90 days. Under said injunction, Apple is, quote, permanently restrained and enjoined from preventing developers to include in their apps and metadata buttons, external links, and other calls to action that direct consumers to purchasing mechanisms in addition to in-app purchasing. Apple may also not stop developers from, quote, communicating with customers through points of contact obtained voluntarily from customers through account registration within the app. Oh, I didn't know that was going to be a part of it. On every other count, Judge Gonzalez ruled in favor in Apple's favor, determining, among other things, that Apple's app store doesn't violate antitrust law. She also ruled against Epic and Apple's counterclaim for breach of contract. As such, Epic must pay Apple's $3.65 million, which is nothing. That's equivalent to 30% of the $12.2 million Epic earned from Fortnite iOS players between August and October 2020 through the Epic direct payment system. So what, what Epic did was uh, they bypassed Apple's rules at that point. Epic has also to pay Apple 30% of the revenue it received via that system between November 1st and today. Is it? I mean, I don't know. I still think it's kind of, I still think it's antitrust, but we'll see how Apple reacts uh, in the coming months. But yeah, that's how it is. That's, it, it's it, App Store has to change, 
and uh, developers aren't going to have to waste or give a, give over 30% of iOS app revenue to Apple. And they're going to lose that revenue, that re- that flow. I mean, that's how they got to a billion. That's how they, you know, get to a billion dollars for Apple TV just sitting in the bank. <laughs> they're the richest company in the world. And, uh, yeah, whatever. Next up, we have Amazon making its own TVs. This comes from Chris Welch over at The Verge. This is a Verge-heavy episode. Usually a variety of the show. Amazon starts making its own TVs with new Fire TV, Omni, and 4 series. Now, this is not Amazon actually building its own TVs. It's doing the same crap that uh, it does. It has done with um, the uh, uh, Amazon Basics. It's basically buying buying up you know shells of TVs and saying uh, this is we're going to put Fire TVs inside here. They're going to be Amazon-branded 4K Fire TVs. They're going to start shipping in October. And they're working with companies to have these TVs. Uh, imagine the you know the Google TVs that are out there, the Android TVs, rather. Oh, well, no, no. Sony has the first Google TV now that, that came out within the past month or so. It's going to be... It has Chromecast with Google TV built in. It just has Fire TV built in. If you like smart TVs, this is what it is. I don't. I'm not a fan of smart TVs. Even on my on the LG C1, I have a Chromecast with Google TV plugged in because, again, it's like using a computer every single day, and I would rather not have that computer slow down. There are a lot. Some of the models only the 65 and 75 inch. They're going to have 43 up to 75 inch. They're going to have Dolby Vision for those bigger ones, but also HDR10. So they're going to be good cheap TVs running Fire TV. So if you like Fire TV, then there's that. It's also going to have Alexa. You're going to be able to watch TikTok videos. It's going to play stuff from Netflix. You're going to be able to talk to Alexa, basically. They're going to be... Uh, I don't think they're going to have any 4K120. Oh, they are. Okay. Uh, wait, hold on. Uh, oh, and the the panels, the TV panels themselves, are built by TCL. TCL is a budget TV distributor. Uh, they make they make you know good cheap TVs. Same thing for Hisense. Um, Amazon's Fire TVs. Okay, they lack 2.1 HDMI 2.1, which is the latest HDMI, which is going to offer things like 4K at 120 hertz, which is uh, basically the best looking stuff right now. <laughs> everything moves smoothly and everything looks good. They do offer low latency mode. Uh, you know what? They're, and they're going to be priced well. The 75-inch costs significantly less than what I paid for this, the C1. It's $1,099 with Dolby Vision. But come, uh, you know, Amazon Day or what is it? When, when they have that massive, mass, may have a bunch of sales. Black Friday, come Black Friday. That's what I was thinking of. That's, that's probably going to be $800. The 65-inch right now is $829. 65-inch is a very good size for a television. Minus fifty five. Uh, I, I told the story where I bought I bought my TV and it was too big, and uh, but now that I look at my fifty five inch, I go oh, maybe. <laughs> but also, it, it, that that one cost two thousand. So the sixty five inch, and I was like, no sir, <laughs> too much money. <laughs> All right, we have two more stories. Let's get through this. This next one comes from the Hollywood Reporter, THR, written by. Boris Kitt and Graham McMillan. 
This is from the Heat Vision section. So it's about superheroes and superhero movies and all that stuff. Substack moves on Hollywood with top Marvel slash DC writers targeted. The San Francisco-based newsletter platform plans to spend north of $30 million to entice big comic scribes to leave publishers and let them keep the rights to their own IP. So comic book writers, if you don't know this, are, uh, I think, some of the best writers uh, in the world. Mostly because I love comic books. But they, a lot of them switch between you know DC Comics and Marvel Comics, Vertigo, all that other junk. And uh, and they have these contracts and they, and they write these comics and and you know they have to sometimes they have to adhere to the to the to the previously made up stories you know whatever they have to continue the House of M storyline uh, over the cro- over the course of you know Avengers versus X Men which I just recently read uh, it was okay or they have to or they or they're just telling their own story and there's they're creating Dark Knight metal and they're making all these different dark knights from different universes come together and want to kill Batman. I don't like superhero stuff. I don't like superhero movies, but the TV shows, <laughs> no, the TV shows I can leave, uh, except for Titans. Titans is great now, but, uh, and Doom Patrol. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but it's the, it's the comics that I like because, I like crossover. You can handle they handle crossover better than the the movies do. The movies, I just think I don't think any movie has done it right. In any case, although I look, I'm not a Marvel, I'm not a Marvel, I'm not a Marvel guy. But that Spider Man No Way Home, if they figure out how to do it without talking down to people, I don't like movies that talk down to people. And I think uh, uh, both Avengers and Batman v Superman did that. Well, I don't think Batman v Superman talked down to people. If, in fact, it asked too much of people. <laughs> Look, I like that movie. Here we go. Sources tell the Hollywood Reporter that uh, a writer nabbed around five hundred thousand dollars for an upfront fee. With importantly, Substack. Again, the Substack is the newsletter platform that I talked about both on Newstime and the Constitutionals where writers were leaving New York Times, leaving The Verge like Casey Newton and go and making a lot of money just basically writing feature length newsletters over on Substack uh, and, and getting a lot of that percentage of the cut. Substack making no claim that the intellectual, intellectual property created during that time. Meaning, in addition to a revenue split on a $7 a month subscription fee, a writer holds the right to sell IP to studios for future film or TV adaptations. The first comic coming from this writer on Substack is going to be Blue Book, and it begins later in September. The deal may mark a paradigm shift for top creators who work at major comics firms like studio-owned Marvel and DC, known within the industry as the big two. I don't know if anybody ever says that. As well as those at mid-level publishers. Just as Substack's lucrative offer to top journalists invited a wave of media pros at outlets like the New York Times or Vox Media. Whoa, look at that. I said New York Times and Verge. Verge is owned by Vox. To become independent operators and to camp for upfront payments to start subscription-based newsletters, Hollywood may be the next target for Substack. The venture capital funded newsletter platform is investing heavily in enlisting creators for its push into. Oh, Nova's awake. 
an hour away from when she eats, and she's gonna come over here and start begging for food. No, you gotta be quiet. Come here. Come here, little baby. Oh, you wanna be on camera, don't you? You wanna be on camera? Who's a good girl? Look at you, my little baby. Look at you. You came over here. You bothered me. All right, I'll put you down. <laughs> Dummy. One source pegging the, fu- uh, the figure north of $30 million over the next couple of years. Wow. I didn't know Substack had that much money. In 2020, graphic novel and comic sales in North America totaled about $1.2 billion, up 6% year over year per industry analyst. Uh, have said, <laughs> I mean, it's, um, it's pretty smart because apps like Comixology and Marvel has its own app and DC has its own app. Uh, they have created this, at least in me, uh, but I, I take, I take out, I use Hoopla to read uh, comic books from the local library, but they have created this new found love of comics because now you don't have to go into a store and and buy comics that way, or you or you can just buy it on Amazon. But these the digital apps, you can just sit there on your iPad and your or your phone or even your laptop and just read them right there and 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 have those pages. And I mean, it's it's a wonderful thing, and I I really do like that. And I think that's uh, you know moving into comics is probably the next best thing for them for for a Substack to do, but. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun move to see. And I don't know, I want to see how it looks because on Substack, each Substack looks different, uh, but they're all pretty much the same thing where it's not really a web, it's a website, but it's not something that's laid out kind of like, not like cpluscommon.com where you can, you know, find the latest news reviews and interviews. Uh, I don't do news or interview or reviews anymore. I only do interviews <laughs> and barely those, um, so this is, it's it's an interesting, fun move for them. Will it work? Yes. Because people are going to want to support. Like I said earlier, I only pay for, I paid for two podcasts, now for three. Uh, people are want to support, people are going to want to support their favorite comic book artists. And now if these comic book artists themselves can get paid, you know, a couple hundred thousand up front. Instead of having to, oh, I got, and, and uh, for IP that they don't own. And if they pitch an IP to Marvel, then Marvel will own that. So now they can make up their own superhero to make up their own Why the Last Man. No, but you got to stop. Now they can make up their own IP and their own their own stuff and, and, and they own it. And pray that it's good enough to be sold to Mar- uh, to Disney to be made or to Warner to be made or to, you know, Vertigo's TV imprint. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm gonna... This last one comes from Wall Street Journal, written by Rob Barry, Georgia Wells, John West, Joanna Stern. I know her and Jason French. This is a good feature length piece. How TikTok serves up sex and drug videos to minors. So what they did was they created a bunch of fake accounts, a bunch of fake accounts for teenagers between 13 and 15, and basically made them usable accounts where you know they would search things like puppies or dance videos but also one of the search things they searched for on these accounts would be uh you know butt dance (laughs) and uh or set or drugs you know something something like that and 
uh, even though they they only they only searched for that once, and then and then they said, okay, we're we're done searching for other stuff again. What is she doing? There's no food over there. Uh, it would still show results from those in the algorithm because of TikTok's algorithm. So let's get into this just lightly. The journal shared with TikTok a sample of 974 videos about drugs, pornography, and other adult content that were served to minor accounts. The thing is that these are minor accounts. Let's keep that in mind. Including hundreds shown to single accounts in quick succession. Of those, 169 removed from the platform because the journal shared them. Whether by the creators or TikTok couldn't be determined. Another 255 were removed after being shared with the company, among them more than a dozen portraying adults as, quote, caregivers entering relationships with people pretending to be children called, quote, littles. Oh, oh. You can tell I only skimmed this before adding it here. TikTok terms, TikTok terms service that users may be at least 13 years old and that users under 18 need consent from their parents. How do you, tr- like, this is, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna be, like, a Facebook or a Twitter or a TikTok or YouTube even, and uh, and and your and your kid's gonna sign up for it. Like, would you want your kid to walk up to you and go, uh, "Here's your phone. Can you please put in your email address and say you're 18"? Or, I mean, they're gonna figure it out. <laughs> Kids are gonna figure it out again. They're one way or other. It's like when you go to a naughty website, an adult website, and it says, "Are you 18 years or older?" No one's gonna go, "No, I'm not 18. <laughs> I can't watch this stuff." <laughs> An earlier video investigation by the journal found that TikTok only needs one important piece of information to figure out what a user wants. The amount of time you linger over a piece of content. Every second you hesitate or rewatch, the app tracks you. They go deeper into this, but then basically you're just thrown into the algorithm. This is a, it's a really well written story and I urge you to look at the visuals they have with it. But if you look at the, uh, one of their examples is one of the bots was programmed to dwell on videos with hashtags related to drugs, among other topics. One video, uh, the first video, the bot just kind of sat and watched one video for a couple of seconds longer than it should have. Then the next day, the account also watched a video of a marijuana thing cake. And then uh, the teenager bot that they had uh basically got thousand a thousand videos about drugs and drug use which is crazy i think tiktok has a really good algorithm of searching for things you want and it can and it can promote people like the demilios and and whatever and whomever to the top uh in rapid succession and then they can be you know famous or talent or whatever but it's things like this that 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 make it kind of uh, not suspicious. Uh, that make it kind of that make the system broken. It's it's Tesla's autopilot. Tesla's autopilot is revolutionary and it works really well. But when you get to a point where people are rel- like sleeping in the back seat or uh, watching a Harry Potter movie, uh, which that guy says he didn't do, but come on, why do you have DVDs inside of a Tesla? <laughs> <laughs> like a DVD case inside of a Tesla. Like, come on. Like he was, he had, it was, it wasn't like, it's like, it wasn't like he was, he bought it and he was carrying it around with him or he was, or he accidentally left in the car after going to a friend's house and watch a movie. It was in one of those DVD slip cover, like CD slip covers that has multiple CD slots in there. And he was watching it with a portable DVD player. Come on, dude. Uh, 
Also, it's 2010s. You don't need the DVD player anymore. Although they still they sell those. They sell Blu-ray, handheld Blu-ray players. I saw it at Best Buy uh, a couple weeks ago. Or, yeah, a couple weeks ago when I was in there. Um, purchasing something i don't know i guess but they i saw it i saw it you can you can it's it, they're right next to the rokus oddly enough you can just go in there i'm gonna buy a roku oh what is this <laughs> and it's a, a portable blu-ray 4k player i don't even think it's 4k i think it's just a portable blu-ray player with the screen on it and everything i used to have so many of those and that was like that was like the luxury thing i had because they were so cheap like 50 bucks and uh they used to break all the times because if you broke one then that was it. Like, you, there's no fixing it. And and uh, and I used to, you know, if we ever went to the grandma's house, I would just, I would bring that with me. Uh, we never went on car trips. We couldn't afford to go on vacation. So that was the first I ever got. And I would just watch movies that way. And I had the same movies. I think, and and, and it would always, um, it would always scratch my disc. Because I think, I have, I, have and, I have Andrew Powers. Austin Powers Gold Member, and it is scratched to, scratched to the Dickens because of uh, uh, that thing. Anyway, you can buy portable blue, uh, blue portable DVD slash Blu-ray players, but uh, yeah, it's the it's their algorithm is great. It works just like Tesla's autopilot, but it's just dangerous because it's still an untested, unfounded thing. Previously, TikTok's algorithms identified rule-breaking videos, but humans reviewed them before removal. The company made the announcement after the journal shared hundreds of examples of potentially rule-breaking content that the app had uh, served its bots. TikTok said it had been experimenting with its new system over the past year. TikTok spokeswoman said, Ooh, a woman, said that no algorithm will ever be completely accurate at policing content because of the amount of content that goes into understanding a video, particularly about ones about drugs. Uh, it's... And you know, I do, I do agree with her on to that point. Um, there's, I did this week's episode of uh, last week's episode of News Time talking about OnlyFans, where their algorithm, you know, was basically yes, they should have. If you don't know what happened with OnlyFans, is uh, creditors basically or investors and, and, and creditors wanted to stop working with OnlyFans because uh, of the porn content they have on there, mostly because the BBC said there was, they found. They did their own investigation and found child porn, drugs, and and guns and stuff, illegal stuff, on uh, OnlyFans, which, yes, true. Same thing happened with Pornhub, uh, which is why Visa and MasterCard want to stop working with them, which is why Pornhub dumped, uh, if you're not a verified user, then they, then they just basically deleted your video. Um, and so for OnlyFans, this is how these women and queer people uh, and trans people make make their money. You know, a lot of them making are going to make a million dollars. A lot of them gonna ma- are making over. A lot of them are making over fifty thousand, which is a livable wage, a uh, livable salary. And so that's why that's why it became a problem. But now they're they suspended that. They said, okay, we're going to allow porn for now. Uh, but that's that's the thing. <laughs> the algorithm. Uh, they did, it's it's just it's just so hard to 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 gauge and comprehend and work through right now because you're having AI look at all this stuff. Facebook is implementing a tool where that if it sees to to stop child 
child videos or child abuse videos they're going they have this tool uh to see if um if it if it looks like skin it's going to be flagged automatically then it's going to go one to one of the human representatives over at facebook who's in charge of looking at illicit stuff and they're going to say all right if this is you know child abuse videos then you're flagged you're in trouble um it's it's a lot there's a lot more nuance to it and i i truly cannot explain it just watch the episode of the of news time i talk about only fans uh, and and check out this check out this article. I think it's a, a very well written thing. Listen, this has been going on for an hour and seven minutes, which is thirty seven minutes too long. <laughs> if you like what you heard here, and you want to see more of it or listen to more of it, head on over to cpluscomedy uh, dot com where you can see the other two hundred and fifteen episodes that I've done of this show. Uh, you can also, if you want to see a video version of the show, youtube dot com slash cpluscomedy. We can also see News Time, which is our premiere program, uh, where I, I take one story and I dissect it. This week it was only, or last week it was OnlyFans. This week it's supposed to be Adult Swim's 20th anniversary. And what else? What else? Oh, you can uh, see me interview comedians on cpluscomedy.com. I just talked to Tone Bell, Shelby Wolstein, Chris Gethard a couple of times, Jen Kirkman. Hopefully I'll get her again soon. We'll see what happens. Uh, Lori Kilmartin, Jermaine Fowler, Maria Bamford, Jimmy Pardo, Greg Ferguson, a bunch of favorite comedians, a bunch of favorite comedians. And uh, that's about it. Thank you for listening. I very much appreciate it. Let's get out of here.